the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office and your designated certified source of dangerous misinformation. Listening to our show may cause you to question MSM and Dem Party narratives. It may even cause you to fulfill the obligations of your most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, and I'm joined again by my co-host Don Dix. And we again are both in our secret underground bunkers. You know, we, we, we become attached to. We, you know, it was a kind of a drag at the start of this coronavirus situation. But um, I think we both have, uh, have come to uh, like our, our respective bunkers. You know, the, the, the very odd thing is, is that during this uh, process, I, the gas gauge in the car doesn't seem to move at all. I, it's just it's stunning to me in this co uh, post uh, this post apocalyptic uh, setting that we're living in. Gas just doesn't seem to uh, disappear from the fuel tank. I, 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 I don't get it. Hmm. Doesn't mind. I just don't. I'm, I just don't have to. I must not drive into the studio, but uh, <laughs> still driving around, driving around other places. And slight diversion from where we were going, but gas prices are going way, way up now that uh, President Vote Fraud uh, is in office, which is, of course, what they want. And I just read this week that they're thinking about moving ahead with a carbon tax, which would be a tax on all forms of fossil fuel energy. Uh, to make those prices even more expensive and make us peasants and plebes use less while the ruling class still flies around in private jets and lives in huge mansions. And contributing to anthropomorphic climate change, as they tell us, we got to get rid of our extra car and downside is our house and make all other kinds of accommodations to uh, live within our carbon footprint as they take up 45 of ours. Absolutely. And again, diverting from where we were going to with the, uh, with the Gavin Newsom recall and where that is, where that stands as of this week is global warming climate change is a 100% scam and lie. And, and anyone who spends a modicum of, effort at independent research will see that that is so. But the problem is the enemy works on Lenin's principle that a lie repeated often enough becomes the truth. And that is especially so when we don't push back with the truth. Global warming is a a major example of that is they've repeated that lie for decades. It's in the schools. It's in the universities. Republicans, almost by and large, refuse to push back on that lie. And when we don't push back on it, the freedom and prosperity inevitably lose. And a more recent example of the big lie is systemic racism, that America is just seething with racism and is holding the uh, so-called minorities cannot get ahead because of that systemic racism. And, of course, that means we have to change the entire system, of course, to one that gives the ruling class more power and us less freedom and less prosperity and imposes, and imposes some form of socialism. But, again, when we don't put people are afraid to push back on the lie that, no, America is not a systemically racist country, there are still prejudiced people of all races, but most Americans are good, decent, fair-minded people who don't care one iota what the color of your skin is. And why is that? Never, why is that hard to say? You know this. This 
this racism issue is uh, a sight to behold because I, you know, growing up in Baltimore, uh, especially around the time of Martin Luther King's assassination, when the 1968 riots in Baltimore happened, um, I could not for the life of me understand at that age of 11, what was, you know, what was actually unfolding. It never occurred to me that race i mean obviously you knew the difference between black people and white people and people of other ethnic origins um but it never occurred to me that that anyone was less than or more than because of that it it never entered my mind i was raised in a family that as far as you know who a person was the content of their character we were all equal uh, to me you know, um, you know, people being, you know, Chinese or Hispanic to me, that was a re- that was a resume enhancer in my book, because I looked at those people as actually more special than me uh, because of that. You know, growing up, Baltimore was still the area that I grew up in was was largely white. But it didn't occur to me that someone was less than because of skin color. That's growing up in a racially charged environment. And now all of a sudden I'm being told that I'm, uh, you know, that, that I have white privilege and that uh, and if you've heard the latest, somebody was telling me that because they were told they were told they were a person of mixed race um, because they had mixed race, uh, actually several different uh, race racial uh heritages that they actually were uber uh privileged because they could bounce back and forth between their i think one was hispanic one was white i can't remember what the others were but they could they could actually bounce back and forth between races claim the quote unquote privilege of each race and 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 being that they're part white that that was the dominant you know privilege but because their dominant privilege was white them adopting their hispanic uh, heritage gave them as a white person i mean this stuff gets so bizarre because they were white they had uber privilege because they could bounce into hispanic uh you know uh privilege i don't know if that that's the right word uh and take advantage of their or i guess the term is um what is it when you uh when you wear something from another another uh, ethnic or cultural group, cultural appropriation, oh, you're appropriating part, yes. the yeah, you're appropriating the Hispanic portion of your of your uh, uh, you know existence of your DNA uh, to uh, actually your your white self was was co opting your black self. It was I mean, it's bizarre where we're where, where this is all at. Well, we're on the subject, and I was going to get to this later in the show, but let's, let's jump to it right now, is California is working on a, quote, ethnic studies, close quote, curriculum. And that got pulled back as it was as the first draft of it was blatantly anti-Semitic, and that's been pulled back. But now there's a revised version that is up for a vote by this, the state authority that promulgates this stuff. And among other things in this uh, curriculum. The curriculum recommends that uh, teachers lead their students in a series of indigenous songs, chants, and affirmations, including the um, pronunciation may not be quite correct, the Lock Etch affirmation, which directly appeals to the Aztec gods. Students first clap and chant to the god, and I'm not even going to try this pronunciation, Tezcapalipoca, or something like that, whom the Aztecs traditionally worshipped with human sacrifice and cannibalism, asking him for the power to be warriors for social justice. And again, I am reading from the proposed curriculum. Next, the students chant to the gods, uh, Quitlzacotil, and let me try the other ones, seeking healing estepanologies and a revolutionary spirit in particular one particular god is the aztec deity of war and inspired hundreds of thousands of human sacrifices finally the chant comes to a climax with a request for liberation transformation and decolonization after which the students shout panche bay panche bay in pursuit of ultimate critical consciousness 
coming to a government-run school near you. Well, I can't help but think that when you start invoking, uh, you know, other gods that uh, have nothing to do with a, you know, um, in my view, uh, a uh, what I would call a more traditional faith-based belief in one God, the God of the Bible, uh, the father of Jesus, um, or mother, I guess, uh, <laughs> try, trying to keep it gender uh, appropriate. Um, there you go, assuming Jesus is gender again, Don. Right, I know. Well, Jesus was pretty much a man, but it's a question of whether God is uh, uh, probably every sex, uh, if you want to get uh, technical. The infinite God is the God of infinite sex uh, orientations. All um, 72 of them. The the idea that you have kids chanting to a another god it sure seems satanic to me. Um, I read a detailed analysis of the reason that you hear Black Lives Matter groups saying "say their name." This this emanates from uh, there's there's several different uh, belief systems that if you actually say someone's name. Uh, it actually has an impact in the spiritual world and actually conjures them up. Um, this is deeply satanic and completely uh, outside the run. So what they're asking school kids to do, if especially if they're Christians, is to violate their Christian faith. That's well, the whole point of my little imagine, observation. Imagine trying to ask uh, students in the government-run schools to uh, chant and uh, seek affirmation of and swear allegiance to God, the Christian God, the Jewish God. That wouldn't be tolerated for half a second. No. And But, of course, the Aztec gods, and it's funny because the Aztec empire was a ruthless, militaristic, aggressive empire that conquered other people and then engaged in mass human sacrifice. And that's and you know they they woke educators like to attack our civilization and our founders, but of course they're totally good with the Aztecs, who uh, far you know exceeded anything that George Washington at all may have done. We are in, we are, we are in such a crazy upside down uh, world. Um, recently, I just posted to Facebook one of my latest. Uh, uh observations about i mean this 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 meme uh brings together what's unfolding at the border along with what happened remember the uh uh the scam that was being perpetrated with rich folks especially from hollywood you had uh people who were cheating to get their kids into college spending you know 300 and 500,000 dollars to get them into uh, these Ivy League schools. Well, the meme says if you cheat getting into college, you can go to jail. If you cheat getting into America, you can go to college. And <laughs> there, mm-hmm. there's so much hypocrisy embedded in uh, liberal progressive policy. It's just not funny. It really, it really is what Obama said: the uh, fundamental trans, fundamentally transforming the United States of America, and it is proceeding apace on all fronts. With that, let's hear from our sponsor Ed Hoffman of Summit Funding, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. And after the break, we promise—I'm crossing my fingers—we promise we're going to talk about the Gavin Newsom recall. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590, The Answer. By now, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months. So what does that mean to you? Well, if you own a home, it means we can possibly, one, reduce your payment, two, pull out cash and pay off other bills, and then further reduce your payment, or three, we can possibly reduce the term of your loan and get your home paid off years earlier than you planned. If you're over 62 considering a reverse mortgage, the lower the interest rates are, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. And if you haven't even inquired about a reverse, you owe it to yourself to investigate this tremendous financing option. So if you're thinking about any of these, the time to act is now. 
For more information, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 590. The answer. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire Radio Show, the show for the most important political office, that of private citizen. And currently, the private citizens of California are engaged in a historic effort to recall an elected governor. This citizens movement is being described by the folks that put together the recall as something that's never happened in America before and is breaking all the records. And I think there are currently over two million signatures now, Greg. And that's what I've heard, and they may need every last one of them, but it really is an extraordinary effort now. There has been some money and some professional gathering, and they have money to send out the petitions to Republican voters in the state. But most of this has been a volunteer effort. And I know one of our people, Debbie Lalo, has been heavily involved in this, dedicating huge amounts of her time uh, to doing this, and, is co- and she actually is the only coordinator in the state that's ahead of her quota in gathering signatures. So it's been this massive volunteer effort, people getting out there in front of the supermarket, in front of a Bass Pro Shop and other places, and setting up their table and collecting signatures. And there is, even for a state like California, people are upset with how things are going under Gavin Newsom, a.k.a. the post turtle, if you know what a post turtle is. Uh, imagine a turtle sitting on top of a fence post. You know he didn't get there on his own, doesn't belong there, and he can't do anything once he's there. <laughs> and that describes uh, Gavin Newsom. But, don't get to, but, 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 is they already, as of February 17, KCRA, a TV station in, I believe, Sacramento, did a survey and found that the rejection rate was at 16%. And that compares to a 0.6% rejection rate on signatures on mail-in ballots in the last election. State Senator Glazier, Democrat, has said, well, we, you know, we need to work on reducing signatures. So that the rejection rate may go up. Plus, the Democrats are planning to go out and set up their own tables to get people who signed to unsign, which you can do. So you have 30 days in which they can submit signatures of people saying, nah, yeah, I thought it over. And... I want to take my name off the recall petition. Now, whether all those signatures will be that one of the unsign will in fact be genuine, we shall see. But we know how the Democrats cheat at anything and everything, especially elections. So uh, we may need every last one of those two million signatures to to get to the net of just under one point five million valid. For the, for the recall to qualify for the ballot. So stay tuned on this. Uh, it's even at 2 million signatures, given how corrupt our system is, how corrupt the Democrat Party is, that uh, may or may not be enough. Well, I got to believe that within the next week, uh, up and up through the 17th, which is Wednesday, it's the last day they have to be able to uh, turn in signatures, uh, that they could see a flood this weekend, people waiting till the last minute. So I, I expect this number to get over 2.1 million uh, based on that. So uh, so we'll see. Uh, you know, this is the season. Uh, it's catching George Gascon up in L.A., the district attorney there has uh there's a recall effort that's begun there and even uh the far the the, the George Gascone of San Francisco now Chesha Bowden they are in the process of organizing a recall for that DA right here in Riverside the city of Riverside there's an effort to recall a uh city councilwoman Gabby Placentia so this uh this this recall mania is expanding um you know, it's almost like our own right-wing cancel culture, Greg. Hmm. Be nice. Well, it's funny. Speak- the, the Gavin Newsom people tried to attack the process as a, quote, coup, unquote. Yes. Even though that uh, it's a mass citizen effort uh, using the procedures of recall that allowed by the California Constitution. 
Exactly. Speaking of citizen efforts, uh, there was one that's noteworthy that unfolded here in Riverside County. Uh, the County Board of Supervisor Manny Perez, for the third time, put a resolution on the County Board of Supervisors agenda for this past Tuesday that is in support of something called ACA 3. That's Assembly Constitutional Amendment 3. Now, this amendment, which was authored and put up about uh, in December, uh, actually calls for a uh a, a constitutional amendment that would strike out language from the Constitution, a section six, where it says slavery is prohibited and involuntary servitude is prohibited, except where serving a prison term, this constitutional amendment would strike out the uh, use of, indent, of uh, involuntary servitude as a uh, mechanism for imprisoning people. Well, there's been absolutely no legislative uh analysis of what the impact of this would be in California. There's been absolutely no input by any district attorney around the state of California. There's been absolutely no public hearings. The first hearing is scheduled on April 15th, but yet Manny Perez wants the Board of Supervisors of Riverside County to vote for his resolution. Well, there was an effort an organized effort to oppose this that ultimately led to over 250 emails sent to the clerk of the board in opposition to this, first of all. And then second of all, the the, the uh, first two times that he put this up, there was a similar effort to pull uh, to uh, oppose this. And because the number opposing far outstripped his supporters for this resolution, uh, resolution supporting ACA 3, he pulled it the first two times he did it again. So clearly he is he is he was not expecting that and felt like he could do what he had done before which is to put these social justice warrior uh, agenda items, uh, resolutions onto the agenda, have his supporters call in, bully the other supervisors into signing it, and have them vote for it. That didn't happen. He's not happy. Well, and it's about time. Bad. Well, that's too right. bad. But that's, 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 again, that's the kind of citizen effort. We say, we say it. It's almost a cliche on our show, but it, it, it is true. The most important political office is a private citizen. And while the politicians and the ruling class and all their agencies and woke corporations deserve all the blame and criticism that they get, ultimately, the problems with the country, whether it's open borders, lousy government-run schools, homelessness running amok, uh, $600,000 home per unit homeless shelters because of, there's so much graft and corruption in the process and so on. It's due to not enough people fulfilling the obligations of their most important political office. And maybe we're seeing something with the recall campaigns that you mentioned. We're turning out so many people for the County Board of Supervisor hearing in San Bernardino. There's been a group called Stand Up San Bernardino that's been going there regularly, and they've had an influence in getting the San Bernardino County Board of Supervisors basically to not enforce the state coronavirus restrictions. And yeah, they're officially on the books, but they're being laxly, if at all, enforced in, in San Bernardino County. And many restaurants there are have opened or inside dining, We're just saying well, you know, we're it's hard to enforce laws against people that when mass numbers of people just don't comply with the law. So th- these may be actually a positive uh, positive signs. Well, it's clear if we do not organize uh, as the left has done, as they've made a tradition of organizing, if we don't do it, we're never going to make uh, we're we're never going to get any progress in getting people of a conservative nature elected, uh, of a conservative worldview rather elected. We're not going to get uh, our agenda advanced, and we're not going to be able to oppose theirs. So it's about time that conservatives get organized, and uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, I think that there's an opportunity here, but we'll see. Speaking of woke, 
there's a, there's a different kind of wokeness happening, and we're joined by Pastor Tim Thompson in our next uh, segment to talk about what he's referring to as America's final great awakening. He has a brand new book out called Awake, and Pastor Tim Thompson joins us in the second half of the Unite IE radio show to talk about the book and why he thinks that could, this could be part of a shift that we would really love to see in uh, the politics of America as the Unite IE radio show continues after the break. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM 590 The Answer. For those of you that are 62 or older and haven't taken the time to inquire into a reverse mortgage, here are some great reasons to consider one. One, you don't have to make monthly mortgage payments unless you want to. Two, a reverse mortgage can supplement your retirement income and allow your retirement savings to last longer, which will save you money on taxes or possibly allow you to delay taking Social Security benefits, which will increase your benefit when you do. Three, when you finally pass on, your kids inherit the home and the equity in it, along with the money that has accumulated in your bank account from not having to make monthly mortgage payments. Four, no prepayment penalty if you decide to sell the home or refinance out of it. And the biggest reason, it's your equity. Use it when you want it. Interest rates are low, which means more money available, so if you've inquired before and it didn't work, it may work today. Calling to find out more details is free, so call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire radio show. As we say every week, the show for the most important political office, that of private citizen. Uh, my name is Don Dix, host, co-host of the Jen and Don show. I'm joined every Saturday by, with my uh, partner in crime or in radio. Thought crime. Which could be, yeah, exactly. Thought crime. Greg Britton, who's on the cabin of the Redlands Tea Party Patriots. When I first started getting involved in politics, Greg, one of the things that occurred to me as I started, you know, evaluating the landscape of the current situation, we're talking back in 2012, 2013, uh, some of the influence in my original understanding of what was unfolding were several pastors. Uh, one of them, Pastor Jack Hibbs, very influential here in the Inland Empire, uh, the pastor of Chino Hills Calvary Chapel. It, 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 he, he influenced me with an understanding that part of the reason that we were where we were and are today is that the church, in quotes, the, uh, the, the institutionalized church had withdrawn from the public square, had abdicated the public square and allowed, uh, a, a alternative worldview to take its place. You know, nature abhors a vacuum. And when that vacuum occurs, something is going to fill it. And what has filled the cultural vacuum across America, you know, mostly talking about the entertainment industry, but we could also extend that to the, uh, to the education sector, um, and many others has been a, uh, a, a, a far left, um, in many cases, a Marxist, worldview. And uh, how do you get that vacuum? How do you take back that territory? Well, uh, there's a there's a lot involved in this topic. And Pastor Tim Thompson has written a book called Awake, America's Final Great Awakening. And he talks about this very subject and what the Christian's role is in politics, a lot of pastors say that uh, the church has no role in politics. Um, a lot of uh, Christians say, well, you know, God's in control and uh, something, you know, w- w- there there is going to be a second coming of, of Christ. And when that process happens, um, you know, we will uh, we will have the second coming and uh, it will be. For for those that don't believe, um, you know, a bad day. Let's just put it that way. For those that do believe, it will be a very, very good day. But we don't know when that day is going to come. And in the meantime, 
what is the Christian's role in standing up for faith-based values? And there are a lot of them that say, well, nothing, because God's in control. Joining us now is Pastor Tim Thompson, a brand new book that answers a lot of those questions and actually has a great call to action. Uh, it's great to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me on. It's always uh, always a pleasure. I know that in the past, in American history, it's not which isn't taught anymore in our schools, at least not the correct version, there have been religious awakenings. And your book is about or wants to encourage another religious awakening because America is founded on this Judeo-Christian culture. And it's almost like is our, our pastor talks about this, like Israel, we, we have kind of a special covenant with God. It's the foundation of our country. Oh, we, we absolutely do. And, you know, you talk about the, the other great awakenings. This is just a response from the cyclical nature of humanity. Uh, you study the scriptures, even just a cursory study of, let's say, the book of Judges. You can see this cyclical nature where, you know, mankind falls into sin. Uh, God is a loving father. He doesn't allow his kids to sin successfully. So he raises up leaders to rule over the people, and those leaders bring oppression upon the people. And when you feel that oppression, you know, you, it's, it's uncomfortable, it's, it's not an enjoyable experience. So during that time of oppression, God will send spiritual leaders to call the people to repentance. And once they repent, some of them repent, some don't, but for the sake of those who repent, God sends somebody to deliver them from their oppression, and they go through a time of peace. And eventually they fall back into sin again, and that's where that cycle starts all over. And we've watched this play out. We've watched in America uh, with the uh, previous Great Awakenings. They've all been marked by a time of repentance, a time of, when I say repentance, I mean turning away from your wicked ways and turning yourself back to a holy God. So we've watched that, and we're, in many ways, we're at the end of what I call a sin cycle. We're, we're at this time in America where God has raised up or at least he's allowed wicked rulers to rule. We've, we've got wicked people in our government, um, and we're feeling that oppression. We're, and that oppression is actually good for us because it does wake us up, and God is sending people to call the American people to repentance. Now, you make a case in your book, it's kind of divided into two sections, an assessment of the current situation uh, with, a, you know, a, a little bit of an understanding of some of these past awakenings. And then the second part, which is the call to action, um, you, you make the case in the first part of the book that the church never should have been asleep, should have always been awake. Christians should have always been uh, watching out for evil, you know, sort of the watchman on the wall. Uh, scenario. It is part of our role to keep, you know, the, the Christian body safe from, uh, you know, the, the wolves outside, if you will. And that they, the, the church has not been doing that, that they should have been doing it, but haven't. What happened? Well, you know, we watched what's happened just over the last, you know, four or five decades, especially, and it's really been ramping up, but, um, You've watched liberal professors get into our seminaries and pushing, you know, the social uh, social justice gospel and critical race theory, things like this. Um, and you've got to the point now where we're over 70 percent of pastors in America don't believe in the inerrancy or the infallibility of Scripture. So they don't even truly believe what it is they say that they're teaching. And that's come across real clear in the pulpits of America. So the pastors have, like you said earlier, say, well, we don't have a role in politics, even though we live in a time where the radical left has politicized every biblical moral issue you can think of. You know, borders. Borders is a biblical issue. Acts chapter 17 says God's the one that sets up the borders. He's the one that's determined the boundaries of the nations. You know, we look at marriage, sexuality, gender, uh, the consequences for doing something that's against the law. All of these things are biblical issues. And yet the radical left politicized them and pastors go, look, I'm not going to engage in those issues because it's political. And then what you get is what we have today, where the church has been emasculated. uh, The the church is uh, ineffectual. I mean, we look at even what Martin Luther King Jr. said just uh, just a few decades ago. He said that uh, the church doesn't recapture its prophetic zeal. uh, if We don't realize that we are to be the conscience of the state 
that the church is going to become nothing more than an irrelevant social club. And that's what you see in many churches today. They're irrelevant social clubs. They're not having an effect on the culture. You touched on on something that uh, really needs to be maybe highlighted is the dual assault on our on the church and our Judeo Christian culture. One is kind of an external. It's a fairy tale. You know, no no intelligent person would believe in 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 this hocus pocus of God and so on. And the other is the internal that you mentioned is to subvert the church from within. And that's astounding. 70% of pastors don't believe in the truth of the Bible and what they're supposed to be teaching. Right, more than 70%. Mm. Yeah, and and that's that's a travesty when you think about it. More than 70% don't believe in it, um, which means less than 30% do. And out of those 30%, that do believe in the inerrancy and infallibility of scripture, what you have is only 10% of them who will actually teach their congregation what the word of God says about the cultural issues. And here's, let me just give you another statistic. 96% of regular church attenders, which is defined as people that go to church two or more times per month, 96% of those people want their pastor to tell them what the Bible says about these cultural issues. They're thirsty for it. They don't know how to, they don't know how to address topics like transgenderism or um, abortion. You know, you ask the average Christian, is abortion wrong? They're going to say yes. And then you ask them why. They don't know. They don't. Well, I'm a Christian. Well, that's not a reason. Give me a reason why you believe what you believe. And most of them can't tell you because their pastors never taught on it. You know, Greg brings up a, a really, really important point because you, along with these other pastors that are in, in, in inside of this 70% number that Greg used, um, you, you, you study the same Bible. You come to an entirely different uh, conclusion studying the Bible than they do. And 412, um, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, for the 412 churches uh, are a prophecy-heavy church, focusing on what the Bible teaches and how it has prophetically come true over time. How do you, not you, Tim, but you as a pastor, study the same book, preach from the same book, but but come to an entirely different conclusion based on historical events that have actually come true, that are actually discussed in the Bible. To me, that's just a special brand of stupid. Well, I couldn't have said it better than myself, Don. Um, it, it really, it, it astounds <laughs> me. I mean, over and over again in the New Testament, we are told to watch. And not only are we told to watch, but we're given a list of things that we're supposed to watch for. And all of those things are happening all around us. We're supposed to watch for Israel, Turkey, Russia, Iran. We're supposed to watch for these nations coming together against Israel. Um, we're, We're supposed to watch for that. Well, is that happening? Well, the answer is yes, for the first time in the history of our world. You know, we're supposed to watch for children being disobedient to parents. Is that happening? You better believe it is. We're supposed to watch for worldwide pandemics. We're supposed to watch for earthquakes in various places. I mean, you start listing it out. There's so many things we're supposed to be watching for, and they're happening all around us. And how is it that we're not telling our congregations, this is what God said to watch for, and this is what's happening? It's a really simple concept, really. You know, there's a wonder, is how many of that 70% of pastors even really believe in God, and there is a God. I, our pastor was saying that there are pastors that are teaching that you know God either isn't real or God doesn't. God isn't God. I mean, God doesn't have the power to do the things that the Bible attributes to Him. Well, then why are they even in church? Right Good question. That is a great question. You uh, want to? We got to take a break here, but I just wanted to end on this note, talking about prophecy. Because this, this note. I mean, the the great thing about your book is that for the questioning person, there's a tremendous amount of of uh, truth that goes into and and documentation. I, it was the word I was looking for that goes into the first six chapters. One of the things in the second part that stood out for me when you talk about taking action is that in Matthew uh, 7, verse 24, it talks about nation against nation. Nation will rise up against nation. 
you clarify that that's a misinterpretation of the word ethnos, that originally nations were ethnic groups and that it's ethnic group against ethnic group, which perfectly describes what's unfolding now with the entire critical race theory is is that this uh, false doctrine of uh you know pitting race against race is marxist which is to create division among people and you make the case that 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 is actually uh forecasting that this ethnic division that is being created now is actually part of what was uh, described in the bible Oh, absolutely. It was described in the Bible, and, and now we're watching it play out in front of us. You look at who, who the Bible says the accuser of the brethren is. Who is it that brings accusation against us as believers is Satan. And Satan has become very crafty because he's found a way to utilize the church as his tool to make that accusation. You know, we tell, as pastors, we tell people, come to the feet of Jesus. You know, lay all of your worries, all your cares all your guilt, just lay it down at the feet of Jesus, place it on the cross. And uh, then we've got pastors telling people to pick back up the guilt. And if you're a white person, you really should be guilty. And you should give extra money to the church because we have a racial reconciliation fund. And you haven't given enough money to the black community. You should feel guilty about your whiteness. Well, I thought the idea of Christianity is we bring our guilt to Christ and he bears it for us. So it's it's total hypocrisy, and it's the church being used as that catalyst to bring about the accusations. And we're going to we'll continue with Pastor Tim after the break here, and what Christians and Christian pastors should be doing to uh, save the country and uh, save the church. After this word from All Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident, because they are truly the kings of wreck and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. We are pleased to be visiting with Pastor Tim Thompson, who is one of the pastors who does get it, and he is not only in preaching the Word of God, but in helping his congregants apply the biblical teachings to their roles as citizens. And he was also one of the pastors that led the reopening of the church back in May, notwithstanding coronavirus order and closures, he and Pastor Jack and our pastor here in Redlands, uh, Pastor Kevin at the Ark Church, uh, and many others across the state, reopened their churches, notwithstanding the threats of uh, the almighty state. And he now has a new book out entitled Awake, America's Final Great Awakening, and you find that on Amazon and other great places. His website is ourwatchnow.com. Pastor Tim, there are so many Christians that are, uh, Jesus is coming back, so I don't need to worry about the real world. Or uh, as they take Jesus, what Jesus said, that render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, and render unto God that which is God's. So therefore, I should we should just stay in our church and focus on that, and not get out and involved in what's happening in the culture and in, in the roles of citizens. What do you... What would you say to a pastor or to a Christian to say, yes, you should be active in your role as a citizen of this republic? I think it really uh, it, it comes down to what did Jesus himself tell us to do? Uh, we were told, well, number one, we're told to occupy until he returns. So, I mean, we're supposed to be actively a part of our community. And uh, the, there's two things that we're supposed to be as we await his return, and it's salt and light. And you look at what light does, light reveals the wickedness that's in the darkness. 
That's what light does. It, it, it exposes what's there. Um, not only that, but salt. Salt is a preservative. You, um, you look at what salt was back in the, the time that this was spoken. Salt was something they used because they didn't have refrigerators. So they would pack the salt around their meat and keep the meat from going through that you know, decomposition process too quickly uh, so it wouldn't spoil. So the, the thing is, we are supposed to be those things. We're supposed to preserve our community, and we're supposed to expose the wickedness in the darkness until he comes back. Never did he say, be the salt and the light until you think it's pretty close. And once you think it's pretty close, go ahead and just sit on the couch and wait. That was never the words of Jesus. Now, the third part of your book, now, the, the activist in me is like, okay, you got a problem. What do we do about it? The sec, the, the, the really kind of part two, chapters seven, eight, nine, and then 10 outline what we can do. And you, you talk about how we should, uh, talk to each other, uh, Christian to Christian, Christian to non-believer, how we should talk to our, uh, pastors, uh, our faith-based leaders, and then how we should talk to the body politic about that. That's the one that got my attention. Uh, cause of course that's, you know, kind of sort of what I do all the time. And that is, you know, t- uh, talking to our elected leaders, uh, number one, to hold them accountable and number two, to let them know the direction we would like them to chart a course. Um, from the from the those action steps, give us a little taste of what somebody who buys this book on Amazon for a, the small price of twenty bucks. Where all nine reviews are, you're getting five star reviews from everybody that's picking this up since it's been released. Tell us a little bit about the action that we would take in order to um, address these issues. Sure. Yeah. There's three three actions. Number one is we need to confront people with the truth. You know, it's, it doesn't help anybody to to speak a lie to them. Um, you know, you, you watch what's going on in the culture. You have young children being told that they can choose whatever infinite genders they want to choose. And and I suffer from gender dysphoria. dysphoria. I get it that, that there are people that suffer from that. Well, when somebody's suffering, you don't play into their suffering and just continue to tell them, you know, same deal. If somebody had anorexia, you wouldn't tell them, well, you know, if that's how you feel when you look at yourself, I'm just going to tell you that you're right. Go ahead and starve yourself. That's not an act of love. The act of love is to tell somebody the truth. And that's what we have to do. If we're going to move forward and be effective in what I see as a, a great spiritual awakening here in America, we're, we, we're going to have to do things differently, which means we have to not shy away from the truth. Um, Christians have become, you know, the radical left knows Christians. They know all they have to do is call us a name. And if they call us a name, we cower and we apologize and we shut up. Well, those days are gone. You know, I'm not going to apologize for telling people the truth. Uh, it's the most loving thing. And I outlined that in the, the book. It's what Jesus did. So why don't we do it? And yes, the truth is offensive. The truth hurts sometimes. Um, but the truth, you know, the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. It's a good thing to be truthful and honest with each other. The second part is that we need to, um, you know, not only do we need to confront people with the truth, but we need to challenge the spiritual leaders. And I'll tell you this, spiritual leaders are not used to being challenged. They stand in their pulpits, they, they preach their message, and what they're used to is everybody applauding them and telling them how great they are. What they need to hear is, is a challenge saying, listen, God said these things in the Word, why aren't you as the pastor doing them? And, and I, I do outline this in the book, too. I'm not perfect in this. God had to wake me up. And in many ways, I was just kind of coasting along on autopilot. So I get it. This book isn't meant to make pastors feel bad. When I got awakened to these things, it was one of the best things that could have happened for me. So it's, you know, the, the call to challenge the spiritual leaders to actually get involved and do what God's called them to do. It's not to make the pastor feel good or feel bad. It's to, to do what's best for that pastor and for his congregation. So challenge the spiritual leaders uh, to get engaged, to actually teach these uh, cultural issues and what the Bible says about it to their congregations. And the third thing, like you like, Don, is let's challenge the government officials, especially the ones who do what I call fly the banner of Christianity. If they're an elected official and they got elected claiming to be a Christian, uh, well, then they better vote like a Christian. They better you know, advance the cause of Christendom because they ran as a Christian. 
you know, and, and if they do that, we should expect that the policies they're going to approve of will be something that the Bible approves of. You know, I also uh, fall back on the words of that great religious scholar, Louis Gohmert, yeah. who said that it's in God's hands. Does not mean we can lean on our shovels and wait for the hole to dig itself. Right. Well, you got to love Louis Gohmert. That's a, a brilliant man. He is in many and ways, we, yes. We are almost out of time, and again, your book is Awake, America's Final Great Awakening, available on Amazon, um, which I prefer to avoid when I can, or other, other, I'm sure other booksellers, and your website is rwatchnow.com. Your church is at 412 Murrieta in Murrieta. And if you're looking for a church in that area that's it's, it's opening, uh, it's open and, and having in-person religious services, that's a place to uh, definitely check out. And uh, final 30 seconds, Tim, anything else you want to add? Yeah, just, uh, just in conclusion, people need to know that we need to find a new approach. What we've been doing as Christians doesn't work. It's not working. We're losing. I hate to admit that. And I think most Christians, you know, we're going to have to swallow our pride and admit that that our methods have have failed. So we're going to have to do what Jesus said to do. He said he'd rather us be shrewd. The rest of the world is more shrewd than his own kids. We need to be shrewd. And that means we need to find a way to make it happen, which means we're going to have to do something differently. That's crazy. So go by the book. I was just going to say, look it up on Amazon, Awake, America's Final Great Awakening. Read it and leave a review. A good review, please. (laughs) And with that, tune in next week for another exciting edition of Unite, i.e. radio. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. 951-279-9161. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. By now, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months. So what does that mean to you? Well, if you own a home, it means we can possibly, one, reduce your payment, two, pull out cash and pay off other bills, and then further reduce your payment, or three, we can possibly reduce the term of your loan and get your home paid off years earlier than you planned. If you're over 62 considering a reverse mortgage, the lower the interest rates are, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. And if you haven't even inquired about a reverse, you owe it to yourself to investigate this tremendous financing option. So if you're thinking about any of these, the time to act is now. For more information, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. California, ID number 10162658. Arizona, NMLO license number 092643. Grant, NMLS ID number 1841782. Summit Funding Incorporated, NMLS ID number 3199. Arizona license number 092537. Equal housing opportunity. AM 590. The answer.